All right, all right, all right, man. Y'all can have a seat. Again, thank y'all for being here. Like I said earlier, I'm just going to confess, I say it all the time, but y'all could be a lot of places, but y'all chose to be here. And man, my heart's prayer is that the spirit would move through the body of this church today. And not just through our body, but all as well across our entire community. That's what we're praying for, that the spirit of God would move and we could experience that. And today, man, we're starting a brand new series and we're calling it Abide. Man, we're going to be walking together through John 15 and discussing what it means to abide in Christ. Man, no matter the circumstances, church family, we are called to abide in Christ. And when I say walking, man, I mean slowly walking. You know, elbow your neighbor and say, walk slow. All right, elbow your other neighbor and say, I'm talking to you. Man, we're going to be slowly walking. I'm talking like, man, I don't know if y'all do this, but when you eat too much for Thanksgiving, it's like we want to make ourselves feel better. So everybody says, hey, let's go take a walk, all right? And it's one of those walks that's going to make you feel better because you ate so much, but you can only walk slow because you ate so much. That's the kind of slow walk that I'm talking about, all right? Man, I'm talking about walking slowly together for nine weeks. That's nice and slow. That's 1997 Usher, nice and slow, all right? Some of y'all don't know that, but listen, I'm just telling you from this Sunday all the way through nine weeks, man, you're going to take a look at your clock and you're going to look and it'll be like, it's 11 o'clock on the die. We in the church by John 15. Man, I can keep on going, but I'm not, all right? Man, we want to say that we are going to take this nice and slow and so today, as we jump into John 15, we are going to set in verses 1, 2, and 3. So remember, man, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Man, we have some in the back of the pew directly in front of you. Grab it. Use it. Take it home with you and put it to good use. Man, you can have it, all right? Man, we want to let you know that John 15 comes from the Gospel of John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament, all right? And so here's the thing, as you tap, turn, or scroll your way there, I want y'all to remember that the big numbers are the chapters, the small numbers are the verses, and uh, let me ask you to just join me in praying these three things. Let's pray together. Number one, that God would speak. Let's not talk about it, let's be about it. Number two, that we would listen. And number three, that that truth would set us free. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we ask you those three things, simple to say but hard to walk out, and that's why we need your help today. God, please speak to us. Speak to us in a way that only your spirit can. So many different people, man, so many different walks of life. God, we're asking you to speak in and through us. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us. Help us hear your word. That's the second thing. God, we ask that you would speak, but I know that I've been places where somebody has said something and I did not listen. God, don't let me do that to the spirit today. God, I pray that you would speak, we would listen. And God, like your scripture says, I pray that that truth would set us free. God, set us free from the sin that so easily entangles us. God, set us free from hurt. God, set us free from the struggle or the grind that we live in our daily lives. God, I pray that we would leave here changed. God, that we would communicate with our families differently. God, that we would interact with our coworkers differently. God, that we would see others differently because of that change. 
that we're praying for. And God, we ask all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Again, we're going to be in John 15, verses 1, 2, and 3. Man, we're going to put it up on the screen. If y'all want to follow along through your Bible, somebody else's Bible, or on the screen, we can just all get there, all right? John 15, let's start with verse 1 if, if we have it, all right? We might, we don't have it? All right, I hope you got it, all right? Here it is, John, John 15, verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Man, let's run it back to verse one. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Again, right here, out of the gate. It is so easy to read God's word fast even for somebody who struggles to read at all, all right? But when we read God's word fast, man, we miss sometimes the, the, the weight of what he's trying to communicate. And right here, he says a lot in that very first part of the phrase, I am the true vine. Right here, Jesus begins this passage found in uh, John 15 with his seventh and final I am statement, all found in the gospel of John. Man, he says, I am the bread of life, John 6, 35. I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the gate, John 10, 9. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11. I am the resurrection and the life, John eleven twenty five. 25. And I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 7. Man, in each one of these instances, he uses the word, the not A. And, and I know those sound like small words, but they deliver a whole different meaning. It's a huge distinction right here. He's not just A bread, A light, A gate, A good shepherd, A resurrection, A way, A truth, A life. He is the bread, the light, the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection, the way, and the truth. Christ is unique. Man, the same way is true in this verse one. He is the vine, the only vine, and the only true vine. Let's not run over and miss what, what is being said right there. I know some of y'all Sunday school classes start differently, but we all talk about the same thing. But some of y'all talked about an inheritance, all right? And it had me thinking, man, imagine if a rich man dies and leaves a huge fortune to his heir, but news leaks out into the community that they're having trouble locating the rightful heir. Oh, man, y'all know what happens. Man, everybody in that city, everybody in that city is already kin to that person, right? Man, I'm an heir. I'm an heir. I'm an heir. Let me get some of that fortune. Like, like I'm kin to him. Hundreds of people come forward claiming to be an heir, and the day comes when the judge is going to finally decide who receives the inheritance, and before he can make the final judgment, a person walks in to this quiet courtroom, everybody on the edge of the seat, and says, I am the true heir. See, everybody else wanted to claim that they needed some of that inheritance. Man, they weren't the true heir. See, the word true that means something. Man, it means that there's also false heirs. Jesus is the true heir. And when he calls himself this true vine, 
man, he's indicating the existence of a false vine. Man, it's similar to when he said that I'm the true bread from heaven. If we've grown up reading the Bible, then we've all said in Sunday school, man, if you had a great teacher, she had a flannel board. And if she had a flannel board, she had all the characters, all right? And she would say, this happened and this happened. And she would move the little flannel pieces over there. And it was like watching TV before we had color TV, all right? And so like all that's coming right in our Sunday school class. And we all know that there was a bread that came from heaven. It had a name. It was called manna. But it wasn't the bread. It was just a bread. Jesus is the bread. He's the only one that could be, all right? And not only is he the true bread, he's the true, all those other I am statements. And so I believe that Christ points this out because it was common knowledge. I mean, it wasn't common knowledge. He was trying to make it common knowledge that there was a false vine. But he's the true vine. Multiple times in the Old Testament, Israel is called God's vine. And see, man, this is a familiar symbol Man, God repeatedly used the vine as a symbol of his people in the Hebrew scriptures. One of the examples that I think about is Psalm chapter 80. And in verses 8 and 9, we have the psalmist crying out for restoration. And listen to what he says to God. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. Man, you cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and it filled the land. Man, it's used often, but oftentimes when this illustration is used, it's not painted in the most greatest of lights. In Isaiah chapter 5, the prophet tells a story about a vineyard being planted with love and tended with care, but instead of growing good grapes, the vineyard grew wild, inedible grapes. And in verse 7, the prophet says the vineyard is identified as the nation of Israel. And so when Jesus calls himself the true vine, he's making a contrast with the nation of Israel. Man, he's making this point. The path to God doesn't go through the nation of Israel. It goes through Christ. Man, you don't need to become a citizen of Israel to be right with God. That's what he's letting them know. Man, he's telling them you need to become a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus is not about being, you know, like Jesus is saying, it's not about being in Israel. That's not what it takes to be right with God, but it's about being in Christ. Church family, let's not focus on the wrong things. Man, let's make sure that we focus on the right things. Too many times we don't want to major in the majors, but instead we want to major in the minors. Let's stay focused because we need to understand that our focus needs to be on Christ. We fumble this all too often. People don't care if you keep Christ in your Christmas if they can't see that there's Christ in the Christian. Man, go get upset. Go get upset that a business that doesn't proclaim Christian values forgets to put the word Christ in Christmas. But when we're out there acting a fool and, and that same community does not see Christ in the Christian, they're just left baffled. They're confused. Church family, the key to the Christian life is Christ's life in the Christian. Let's not forget that. Man, too often we think it's something else. We have a long list of things. Let's not be those people. Let's stay focused. Jesus trying to get everybody's attention. Say, hello, hello, I am the true vine. 
church family, we got to be rooted in Christ, not in anything else. Man, when we put our focus and our, try to plant roots in other things, man, we, le- we get left hurt. We have to be rooted in Christ if we're going to bear fruit for God. And so, man, I love this picture of this relationship between God and people, the vine and the branch, because it emphasizes the complete dependence and the need for constant connection. Wake your neighbor up and say constant connection. They already fell asleep. Here's the thing. Man, when it comes to kids these days, they're all about constant connection. But the constant connection that they're looking for is the Wi-Fi. Hold up. Y'all got free Wi-Fi? Anybody know the Wi-Fi password? Man, what am I going to do with my life? Because I don't got no signal. Man, our kids understand what it's like to be constantly connected. In fact, I thought my kids were going to lose their mind when the ice storm hit and we lost power, all right? It was not easy. I'm like, man, who put that couch right there? You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't even my leg that hit it. It was the pinky toe. You know, that's the worst, right? That'll drop a grown man down in the fetal position crying for his life, all right? But here's the thing. My kids didn't care that we didn't have no lights. My kids didn't care that we didn't have any electricity. Uh, They didn't care that we didn't have any heat. But oh my goodness, what happened to the internet? (laughs) How are we going to stream? How am I going to watch Do Perfect? Like, how am I going to live? Oh my goodness, guys, we prayed and Juice heard our prayers and turned the electricity back on. (laughs) But we didn't pray hard enough because they let the internet off. And my kids were like, we don't care about anything else. We need to be connected to the Wi-Fi. And we had to introduce them for the first time to (gasps) live antenna television. (laughs) I was trying to tell my kid, hey, listen, this is Walker, Texas Ranger. Like, he's wearing Wranglers, but he's about to whip these dudes, all right, doing like black belt karate. And then he's like, yeah, Dad, but this is like the 15th commercial. What's going on, all right? Can we fast forward to the good stuff? No, you can't. It's live TV, all right? But I digress. But here's the thing. Our kids act like our lives depend on a constant connection, and they're right. But it's not between us and the internet. Man, our lives depend on a constant connection between us and Jesus Christ. See, the branch depends on the vine even more than the sheep depends on their shepherd, even more than the father depends on I mean, then the son depends on their father. And I love this. Man, let's not lose when Jesus is delivering this message to his disciples. Man, I don't know if they're still in the upper room. I don't know if they've already had a walk to the garden. I don't really know how far away that garden is. Some of y'all there study, y'all can look that up. And so somewhere in between, he's delivering amazing truths to them. And he's encouraging them. And he's telling them exactly what they needed to hear. Guys, y'all are about to face hard times ahead of you. But I will remain united in you and you remain united in me as the branches are connected to the main vine. Guys, that was crucial for those disciples. And church family, this lesson is relevant for us today as we face difficult times. And so the second part of this verse says, he says, he starts off, he says, I'm the true vine. And then he says, and my father is the vine dresser. See, in the Old Testament, God was one who cultivated and managed the vine. That was his role. But here's the beautiful thing. Man, he still fulfills this role for the believer under the new covenant. See, a part of the new covenant 
as a Christian, as a believer, we have a relationship with both the Father and the Son. Man, we have a personal relationship with the vine dresser and also with the vine itself. And so just in this short verse, man, we already have two key players, the true vine. Who's the true vine? Christ, all right? I'm going to give it to you so that way you know it. All right, I'm going to ask it then. Who's the true vine? Christ. All right, one more time. Who's the true vine? Christ. And then who's the vine dresser? God, the Father. But then we come into the mix as the branches. Look at verse 2. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I mean, let's talk about the first part of this. Man, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Man, that's tough. That's tough to read. Here's what some of the theologians say. Left to itself, a vine will and can produce a good deal of fruit, but usually it's unproductive growth for maximum fruit Fullness, extensive pruning is essential. You got to take care of it. You got to prune it for it to continue to grow and flourish. Then another theologian says this, dead wood is worse than fruitlessness for dead wood can harbor disease and decay. God removes the dead wood from his church and disciplines the life of the believer so that it is directed back into fruitful activity. Maybe we've been there. And then this last theologian, Trapp, he says this, and if it be painful to bleed, it's far worse to wither. It's better to be pruned so that we can grow than to be cut up and left to burn. I mean, it sounds like a downer, but there's, a alternate, there's, there, there's like an alternate understanding of this passage that I, that I think bears some consideration. Some theologians, they got a mixed kind of, uh, you know, view of this, where some believe that the Greek verb that's translated into the phrase takes away is more accurately translated as lifts up. And so their view is the idea that the Father is lifting up unproductive vines off the ground because it was common in the ancient practices of vineyard care for those who were caring for these old grapevines to find the ones that have fallen to the ground and go out and lift them back up so that way they could receive sunlight, so that way they could be nourished, so that way they could bear fruit. But on the second half of this verse, it says this, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Man, the word prune sounds painful, but it's also the same word that can be translated as cleanse in other parts of this particular passage. So pruning or cleansing in the ancient Greek you know, they could apply in either place. And so the vine dresser, he's cleaning up the fruit-bearing vine by pruning it so that it will bear more fruit. People don't like to recognize, but Jesus is divisive in the sense that his presence divides 
true disciples from false disciples. Man, he didn't come to coddle false disciples. Man, if you want to sum it up in, in, in Miltonese, maybe it's the false disciples will be cut away by my father. But if you are connected to the vine, God's going to do whatever it takes to cause you to bear fruit. God will cut you. Sounds confident. Man, God will prune you. Went to like SNL for a little bit. God will trim you. God will chop you. He'll do all these things because he's not content to let you stay on the vine bearing little fruit. Instead, he's ruthlessly determined to shape you into something much better, much more beautiful than you are right now. Man, he's determined to make you more like his son. Every day, man, he's pruning us. He's shaping us so that we are more and more and more like his son. I mean, the only way that that will happen is through cutting away different parts that are dying so that you can grow more and more and more healthy. And God's commitment to your fruit bearing is greater than your commitment to comfort. Because, man, that's what we long for. We want to be comfortable. We want to be safe. We pray for it. Let them be safe. But man, he's about pruning us and shaping us. And in the third verse, we'll put it up on the screen. But the, ver the third verse says, and already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you. See, the work of pruning and the work of cleansing, <laughs> those works had already begun in the 11 disciples. He was already doing a work in their lives. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Later. Man, do you notice when people are not here? I haven't. Man, do you notice when people are struggling and hurting? Man, let's be a church that cares well for others. Let's be a church that goes the extra steps and to begin to be a church that cares well for those that are outside of these walls. Let's be a church that is willing to abide in Christ. Y'all join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, all we can say is thank you for who you are. And God, Man, some of our testimony is that you took us from death to life. Man, we know about inheritance. 
we're your true heirs. God, thank you for whose we are. And God, man, I, I pray for our church family. God, it's difficult. But God, let us be reminded that, man, you prone us, you shape us. So we're becoming more like your son. God, I pray for the ones that are here that are hurting. It's a big number, God. But it ain't nothing too big for you. It's a big surprise for some. But nothing catches you off guard. Man, some of us feel like we got wobbly legs or, man, are we walking in the right path? But God, you set the vision. God, you make the way. God, let us hold tight to one another but only if we're holding tight to your word. God, for some of us that are in this room today, and maybe you're saying, maybe they're saying, man, I want that. I don't have that. I want that. He's talking about something that I want. I feel like I'm disconnected. I want that connection. God, they can have that today. Man, let us not come up with an excuse. Let us not put another day to it. But let them understand that there's people ready and willing to talk to them about how you have changed their life and, and you're willing to do the same for them. God, we pray that you would be with us moving forward and that you're honored by our steps. In your name we pray, amen.